Hello, horror fanatics. I'm Frank. And I'm Jen. And we welcome you to our weekly podcast, Oh, oh the, the horror. horror. Thank you for joining us as we dive deep into all things horror, supernatural, scary, and downright creepy. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe to add us to your regular rotation of podcasts. You can also submit any ideas, comments, and suggestions to our email address at oth at seriouslydecent.com. And you can check out our website at ohthehorrorpodcast.com. Yes, Mm -hmm. you can do those things. Cult of the month. Yes. We're getting right into it. We are. The second edition. Yes. Of our, uh, our cult of the month. Man, do we as a people love a cult. Some do, and when they do, it's like it's like love. They fall hard. Whoa, yeah, they. uh, Yeah, they sure do. Heaven's Gate today. Yeah, I was a little tossed up on which one of these we should have done first, and I won't reveal the other one because they're top secret. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Heaven's Gate. I think a lot of it we did because we watched that thing. What was on HBO Max? I can't so. remember if it was HBO or it was Hulu, but I'm pretty sure it was HBO Max. They had it's a great documentary. Yeah, and this is something that we lived through in our time. Correct. Saw in the news. Yes. In our time. Yes. This came out relatively early as far as the internet was concerned. Yeah. And at first, when this came out. And I say came out like not like, hey, do you want to join and do you want to do things? But when the media got a hold of it after the big event, yeah, they uh, they blamed pretty much most of it on the Internet because they used the Internet for a lot of things. And they were actually doing things that nobody on the Internet was doing. No, actually, a bunch well, of very smart people. A lot of them were uh, working for companies doing things for on the not doing things yeah and that's how they made their money yeah no there there were a lot of smart people and like i said they were doing things on the internet that a lot of people weren't doing they at that time they built a website well most mom and pop websites were just basic stuff and they were a group that was actually using what is now ordinary meta tags right but then like meta tags were advanced stuff Mm mm-hmm and that's how they kind of reached out and got their name around. They really just kind of flooded search engines mm-hmm. with tagging uh, down right to the point of it was just not respectable amongst yeah. the, the yeah. Internet community. However, they didn't care. No, they didn't. They uh, blatantly said that their whole deal was to get their message out. Yep. And get it out uh, any by any means possible yeah. within their grasp. Yep. So, do you want to give an introduction to Heaven's Gate? Or? I'm going to start with my sources. Go um, for it. History.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heaven's Gate cult members found dead. Britannica.com. Heaven's Gate religious group by J. Gordon Melton. And People.com. Heaven's Gate, 23 years later, remembering 38 people who died with cult leader okay. by Laura Barcella. I uh, I use for a source, which is amazing that it's still up, heavensgate.com. Yeah. They're I, still uh, running, folks. They are. I I checked out the website, mm-hmm. but because it's black, 
the background is black. Yeah. With the, I just, I couldn't. It yeah. was, it was See, tweaking my eyes. So I was like, bye. That's these old computer IT internet eyes. I yeah. can stare at anything forever. Yeah. No, I couldn't. The, so yeah, I use their site and uh, it goes to show, uh, you know, cause it was funny looking at it. It's literally like going back through time with the way the format is. It's very MySpace looking. Yes. Um, yeah, no, it's it's it was really a joy for me to read their website because it just brought back a lot of memories of how things used to be on the uh -huh. internet, how websites were developed. You know, so from like a nerdy standpoint on my end, right, having over twenty years of IT experience and just twenty five years of IT exposure, especially to stuff like the internet, to see this site now. I would envision it back then, like when it was out, this was like an awesome looking site. It had, you know, these just cool graphics, awesome background. Uh, the text font coloring is just hysterical because it's all over the place. Oh, my God. That, that and, was the reason why I couldn't hang no, out I on know. their site. I was like, I I'm, I will go blind. But it really is like, yeah, if, if you're not of the era... And you uh, like to try to be as retro as you can be in the 90s without being there. And I'm sorry, when you're four years old, you weren't in the 90s. You know, I mean, yeah, it's exactly. just like yeah. you weren't surfing the Internet to max capacity of four years old. No. This is go to heavensgate.com just to look at the website. That's what websites looked like. Yeah. It was yep. a uh, so it was a true, true uh, just joy for me to see that. My other big source was. Um, basically Oxford academic and they did a, uh, as a Wendy Gale Robinson who did uh, heaven's gate, the end it was called. And it was under a, um, uh, basically a larger journal of what was called computer mediated communication. Yeah. And it was, it's good. It, it basically does like an abstract, like a typical paper and uh, introduction, who were Heaven's Gate. And then they got really kind of nerdy into how they did the code, how the meta tags operated and worked, mm -hmm. and they pulled out the stuff where some of it was really organized and looked great, some of it not so organized. Right. And you could tell that it was a grassroots effort in that regard. I did check a little bit on the history.com. I figured you'd have that one nailed. I will and, say, uh, um, of all of them, I think the one I liked the most was uh, thepeople.com because mm -hmm. they specifically just broke out the members. Yeah. Those that. I have to say it was a good wiki. The wiki's good as well because I always start with them. Yeah. And you have to remind me at this point later on, I have notes, but uh, to bring up my, my little browser experience thing that I've used with different browsers. Oh, okay. Uh, however, shouldn't we just get that out of the way because we did reference that kind of like to get in to the, the last point. episode. Okay. Yeah. I'd like to, it doesn't connect to any of the episodes. It's just something in general okay. that I don't want to forget. And yes, last week we were cramming a lot of stuff yeah. in. So, but basically as an overview, Heaven's Gate was a religious movement Yep, as it was kind of told by them, uh, Often described, and I'd say rightfully so, a cult. Yep. 
It was founded in 1974 and led by Bonnie Nettles and Marshall Applewhite. Correct. And known within the movement as T and Doe. And also Bo and Peep and yeah. the two at some point. So they went by a couple different names, but toward the end. Towards the end, it was a, a transition yeah, to where were they were Bo and, and Doe. Or T and Doe. Yep. They started out with Bo and Peep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nettles and Applewhite first met in 1972 and went on basically this journey of spiritual discovery. Yes. And they were identifying themselves as the two witnesses of Revelation. Correct. The two end time witnesses. Yes. uh, Revelation 11 Mm -hmm. is what Britannica said. Uh, Attracting a following. Basically, they had several hundred people, and some say almost up to a thousand at At their their peak and the the height of their Mm -hmm. popularity. Mm -hmm. And... Scholars basically describe this theology just to kind of give a quick primer so people know where we're heading heading right. at with yeah. this. That Heaven's Gate was basically a mixture of Christian uh, millennialism, New Age, and UFOlogy. Correct. And I would say the New Age bit quite a bit. Yeah, but they were UFOlogy. They were, the ufology. Yeah. They were all in. You yeah. All in. Ufology huge. Yes. And. As such, it's been pretty much characterized as a UFO religion. They yeah. were kind of the yep. groundbreaking yeah. of, I would the, say that's accurate. of the recent cults, a UFO religion. Mm-hmm. All the members were massive fans of Star Trek, mm-hmm. massive fans of Star Wars, massive fans of X-Files, and going through their website and reading a lot of the stuff on their site. And what I found really interesting is they have two videotapes. Or two video document. Um, well, they're documents, but you can actually get their transcriptions yeah, of the, yep. the videotape. But I've been also told that you can get the tape. Like if you communicate with them, you can get a copy of the tape or something like that. Like wow. I said, they're still going. Yeah. After all of this. Yep. It, it says right here on the bottom, I'll read it verbatim. It says, if you would like to send for videotapes, there is no charge. Again, it just shows how dated. Yes. Like, it, it's really a time portal looking at this yeah. this website. Uh, if you would like to copy them and return the originals to us, we will make them available to someone else. If you choose to assist with deferring our expenses, those funds would be reinvested towards getting this information out. Right. So it's still, I think... This is the premise that I I want to start with, and then I'll leave it to you to kind of launch off with things. But this is by far out of all the cults I've read and checked out, and I'm just a cult nut. Yeah. What what amazing the amazing part of this cult is the trusting nature of these people. Yes. Every single one of them. Yes. Very trusting. Yep. And and that's why I wanted to read this little bit because this. Little bit speaks volumes on their behavior. Yes. I mean, like right now to this day, yeah, if you want to send for videotapes, oh, they'll give you some, you can make some copies, you know, just, you know, be a peach, send it back to us. Yep. You know, and so we uh, can get the word out. So we can to get others. the word out to others, you know, and if you've got some, some money, sure, send it our way. And it's just, it's all towards this, nothing else. Yeah. And, and it's, it's really as you go through the whole bit of it, it's, it's like that. The transcripts of the videotapes one and two can be viewed online and downloaded or requested through their services. 
hard copy editions of the book they have may be ordered through its uh, Tela, T-E-L-A-H, uh, or Talila, or Tela. Tela, that's right, Tela. Services for 45 bucks, and that includes shipping and handling via priority mail. And all requests and materials can be emailed to rep at heavensgate.com. Not giving you instructions, just saying yep. that they're a pretty open group. Yeah. They're based out of Arizona and Phoenix. And everything that we've watched, like I said, if you have access to HBO Max, I'm pretty sure it was on there. The the Heaven's so. Gate documentary, I want to say it was like four episodes. Maybe no, actually there no, was quite a bit. It, it was, was like eight, it was quite a few. Eight or almost um, ten. It's it's an excellent But if you really want to see how it it got to start, yep. right to rise, because what they did like a lot of these cults of that era with the 70s and 80s, you got to realize that that era through their late 70s and 80s, that's when people were able to take video of things. Mm-hmm. And that was a big deal to some, you know, yeah. to just kind of capture everything. That was the like the Ken and Barbie killings. Mm-hmm. Like through there, they videotaped everything. I remember I had one of those big video camcorders and like I documented everything to a certain degree because it was just cool to do that you know you felt uh you felt like a big shot so to speak but yeah they had this very very small start yes and i'll leave that with you so it was led by marshall applewhite as you said he was a music professor who after surviving a near-death experience in 1972 was recruited into the cult by one of his nurses bonnie lou nettles in 1975 applewhite and nettles Uh, persuaded a group of 20 people from Oregon to abandon their families and possessions and move to eastern Colorado, where they promised that an extraterrestrial spacecraft would take them to the kingdom of heaven. Nettles, who called herself T, and Applewhite, who took the name of Doe, explained that human bodies were merely containers and could be abandoned in favor of a higher physical existence. As the spacecraft never arrived, membership in Heaven's Gate diminished, and in 1985, Bonnie Lou Nettles, Apple White's sexless partner, died. So during the early 1990s, the cult resurfaced again as Apple White began recruiting new members. Soon after the 1995 discovery of the comet Hale-Bopp, the Heaven's Gate members became convinced that an alien spacecraft was on its way to Earth, hidden from human detection behind the comet. In October 1996, Applewhite rented a large home in Rancho Santa Fe. And I think it's important that we reference they rented the home where they committed suicide. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they owned it. Well, and, and not to jump too far, like to get the cart in front yeah. of the horse, so to speak, but their whole view, you know, before we get into the yep. details yep. with it, their whole view is that their their human bodies are just merely containers. Yep. And that they could be abandoned in favor of a higher physical existence. At any time. Which wasn't a new concept. Yep. This is a fairly old concept mm-hmm. as far as religion, right. any kind of following or spirituality. It's it's a pretty pretty common philosophy, so to speak. But what they initially did in the beginning was just persuading these people to abandon their families for this lifestyle of basically purity and purity of a high sense and a high calling. Yeah. He also went so far as to give them like a very structured, almost down to the minute 
uh, day. Oh, yeah. No, mm-hmm. this is a very, very high calling. And it was to basically create this purity of ditching the physical existence into this meta metaphysical yeah. existence. And this is where the, the ufology comes into play mm-hmm. because they were before this comet that came through, they didn't know when it was coming. No, that's they how they, that's how they sold the cult. They're like, all of this is preparation for quote unquote, the moment. Yeah. It's so revelation. It yeah. really is. It's, yeah. it's, it, it's smashing revelation and a cult together and you're getting this, okay, there's going to be an event. There were a couple times where an event happened, like, say, the eruption of Mount St. Helens, mm-hmm. and they didn't get taken, and T and Doe were like, oops, our bad, we made a mistake. Well, yeah, and this gets into crazy things about cults, and we talked about this with Nexium, is the whole cognitive dissonance. Yeah. And this is what happens when... This is kind of the telltale sign that you can tell you're in a cultish like group. Right. Yeah. I'm not going to say a cult directly, but you might have cultish behavior to a group mm-hmm. that doesn't want that kind of behavior. Right. And and basically the cognitive dissonance is the mental discomfort that results from holding two conflicting beliefs, values or attitudes. Right. There was two moments in Heaven's Gate where they all had to struggle through cognitive dissonance. Yes. To sell themselves to the idea of Heaven's Gate. Yep. Now, getting back to the whole Heaven's Gate, everybody's making themselves pure. They got very high structured days. Mm-hmm. At some point, the men got all castrated and they were basically they just. They were sexless, yeah. Yeah, sexless. Uh, they you wore the same. To masturbate. Wore None the same clothes, yep. couldn't masturbate, same haircuts. Yes. And it should be noted that the women had the same haircut as the men, they dressed like the men. Mm-hmm. When the yeah. police initially arrived, they thought all of the the people that were there were men, and it wasn't until yeah they actually started getting into it that they realized that it was men and women. Yes, yes, and and there's a lot to be said on it all being the same, no individuality, correct? Nothing, you know, everybody's the one template. And they would document and have these diaries. Mm-hmm. The leaders would look, the two leaders would look at these diaries and, and make sure that they're doing all the right things, that they're not yep. straying away. If they were straying away, they had these consultations with the members one-on-one. And then this is, again, where you get a cult behavior, just to put a pause on the cognitive dissonance mm-hmm. stuff. This is what happens when you get a group of people trying to do the same thing. Because if there's one outlier... You're out. Yep. And again, this is something where you've got to look at it. And I don't care if you're um, just a a group getting together at a brewery to discuss stuff Mm -hmm. or a coffee shop Mm -hmm. or whatever. If if you are afraid to mention this behavior, this type of emotion or this type of thought without disrupting the whole group and feeling like you're not included, that's a cultish behavior. Yeah. And uh, and it, this is why we wanted to bring up cults through the year yeah, to kind of show these examples because I'm not going to say it outright to just get totally controversial or whatever, but there's a lot of groups that 
have cultish behavior. They do. And it's, they might not be after cultish behavior. No, but, but when they're you get behaving a, that way. But when you, this is a people thing. And this mm-hmm. is what you brought up in the beginning, that people just do strange things. Yeah. Especially groups. Mm-hmm. You have this polar opposite uh, swing, pendulum swing, where you have groups that get together and they do amazing things. Mm-hmm. And they enrich each individual. And each individual's contributing in their own way. And everything's great. And that's when groups look awesome. And right, yeah. that could be like a good band or mm-hmm. a good movie where everybody just worked together and created this beautiful product or service or um, film or a piece of music or art. And and that shows just the true awesome positivity of groups. But you yeah. have this other bit where people just do it. It's weird. It's a human behavior trait where they want to feel included and they'll do anything to feel included. Correct. And the cognitive dissonance with them as they were picking up members and they had a lot of members when, when Nettles, Bonnie Nettles died. Yeah. That was a big struggling point for the cult. It was. Because now if you're a member of the cult, the rational person's going to say, well, wait, why did Bonnie die? Right. Because Bonnie's supposed to go with us and she's doing all of this stuff. And Correct. that ensures that she's going to go through yes. and and not be at all in trouble with getting sick because this is what they were promoting. Yeah. They were promoting that you wouldn't get sick. You, uh, you, you're going to make it through to this transition. And she had cancer. She, she had cancer. Yeah. yeah. And, and this is a group that says, oh, we can beat cancer. Yeah. It's like other cults. This is where you start getting really cultish. But the cognitive yeah. dissonance is where if you're a normal frame person that thinks outside of the box, so to speak, mm-hmm. and you're not all in on the Kool-Aid juice here. Right. You got to ask yourself, well, why did she die? Now, what they ended up doing was just figuring out a way to comfort themselves. Yeah. And they said, Bonnie's already there. Yeah, she is paving the way. She's, she's paving the way she's for gonna us. She's going to make sure that, yeah. that we all get to our destination mm-hmm. and we're all going to be reunited. But it her. wasn't instant like that. Mm-mm. It wasn't instant. There was days uh, yeah. I think uh, like a couple weeks. Apple White just like lost, lost it. it. Well, yeah, because his whole entire narrative and yeah. framework just got shattered. Mm-hmm. Plus, you got to look at it from a leadership position too. Like they were both the leaders of the group, yep. so they could bounce ideas mm-hmm. off each other. They could share the load on things, and now it's just the Apple White show. And, and I think at the end of the day, sadly, that was their downfall was that it was just him. Well, their downfall was the whole idea in the beginning. I hate I mean, to say yeah. There said, was evidence that Bonnie was having reservations because Bonnie yeah. was uh, in constant contact with her daughter. She was sending yeah. her letters. Which and you weren't supposed to do. Correct. You had to have 100% yep. attachment from your family. But and here's the thing. She was with, telling her daughter to do the complete opposite, opposite. of Everything that she and yeah. Applewhite are telling the group that they need to do. And that gets revealed a bit later on yeah. what we're we're discussing, but the but the weird sense of the the whole cult, for me at least, was all right, you start out, they go out on basically what every cult does. They do like the the traveling campaign. The recruitment drive. The recruitment drives and stuff like that. They put newsletters all over. And 
they get rooms of these people. And this is where I always say, like, you know, people like myself have a hard time looking at how would you even go to something like that. But these cults find desperate people. Yeah. They find desperate people that are looking for anything to make themselves happy. Yeah. To make themselves uh, connected something with that, something. that they say or something that they're presenting is striking a chord with. Yeah. That person who was like, you know what? I just need to find out a little bit more about this because mm-hmm. it seems to be filling a need for them. Yep. But what was different about this type of cult was if somebody spoke up and said, well, I don't believe any of this crap. Mm-hmm. They go, well, then this isn't for you. Yes. Like that's where I will give Apple, Apple White and, and Bonnie Nettles credit. Right. As they knew exactly who they were looking for. They, they were looking for the people that yeah. were into it. If you weren't into it, they were just like, you know what? Thank you for your time. Yeah. And they didn't create this us versus them thing. No. And that's what makes this cult unique, in my opinion. Yes. There's not this whole us versus them no. thing. It was just them. Yes. And they had this standard that they wanted to live by. I could understand where some people, like there was a story of a young woman, I forget her name, but she left her family. She left everything. Mm -hmm. They were on the documentary and, um, you know, the family was just saying, yeah, she was just all in. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm called for. And I hate to say it, but like from a cult perspective of that, I feel bad for the family that their daughter went to something like that, but it's not like she was hurting anybody. It's not like at the end, this group was hurting or destroying anybody. They destroyed their own families and they destroyed themselves and they destroyed themselves. But outside of that, like a stranger in the road or something like that, they didn't bother. Or even if you wanted to report on heaven's gate and like say these stories or whatever, Mm -hmm. they didn't throw these vicious uh, lawsuits and and campaigns and stuff like that. Nope. They were 100% to the cause. If you didn't believe in it, eh, whatever, man. That's yeah. your prerogative. Yeah. It's just not for you. Yeah. And and so they build up this momentum and then gets also to the uh, the volcano thing. They didn't have this defined event. They just no. knew it was coming. Yeah. And that's great if you're a cult because that's the gray area that you can build all this stuff around right. yeah. and get people motivated. But at the... Th- at the end of the day, something has to happen. Yeah. When you're an apocalyptic, revelational type cult, you have to have this thing. When you're in a doomsday cult, you've got to have a doomsday. You got to have, you got to have an end day, you know? I mean, that's uh, and so the, like you mentioned when, when Bonnie Nettles died, that threw a wrench in everything. Yes. Then I think the volcanic eruption of Mount St. Helens, when they were, thinking that that might be mm-hmm. an end deal. Again, with cognitive dissonance, you got to create this explanation that helps you deal with something that totally conflicts in your view. Right, yeah. Even if it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And that's what they did with Bonnie. That's what they did with this. But at the end of the day, Applewhite had to figure out, Yes. I got to connect an event. And that's when the comet, Hale-Bopp, yeah. Hale, Hale-Bopp uh, came into play. Yes. And, and that was... Basically him moving all his chips and going all in and saying, yeah, this is the event. We're going to prepare for this. The reason they they latched onto it is there was an occult group that was saying that there was a craft or an alien craft that was trailing the comet. These guys went so far as to purchase a telescope. Mm -hmm. Like it was 
one of the most advanced telescopes and they saw the comet and they saw that there was nothing behind it and they took it back to the store and told them that essentially it was broken because they didn't see what they wanted it's to see more cognitive dissonance yeah. you know I yeah. don't trust the uh, the telescope yeah you know it there's yeah. this has got to be broken or it's got to be you know like i said it cults create that the cognitive dissonance thing just it's going to keep coming up over and over again and the only reason i i push on it hard is because you might be doing this in your own life in a one way or another that mm -hmm. could save you a whole lot of problems, some stress and some issues. Right. Yeah. That's where we kind of looked at cult of the month is maybe we can help some people exactly along that. the way. Well, and the, uh, the comment that, um, that was a 1995 discovery and they were convinced because there was a, um, there was someone like you said, that said that it was an outside party. It wasn't part yeah, of Heaven's no, Gate wasn't that it said was, there was a, a ship behind it. It was, hold on, I actually had it. It was in one of my sources. Yeah, All it said was it was uh, like an occultist group. It wasn't the cult. It was like the New Agers. Mm -hmm. And it, it it was just kind of like a random off-the-cuff comment and they latched onto it yeah no I, I, we don't need to get too yeah. deep in the weeds with it but but that that was something i wanted to bring up is it wasn't heaven's gate originally that was saying there was a craft behind the comment no no it was and it that's what added group. and that's what added the fuel for them mm -hmm. is they had this whole other group you know or person and they even say like they don't know someone just said it as a joke to create a stir mm -hmm. like they they don't know any information other than someone just said it. Right. And also the fact that there was nothing behind it. And that was even confirmed by Heaven's Gate. Themselves. Whatever yeah. way they want to play yeah. through it. So the beat marched on and this, this uh, Hale-Bopp comet was a method now Marshall Applewhite now has this goal yep he has this this uh this goal post this end zone yep that he can march all event. of the this heaven's is his gate doomsday event yeah and like definitely reading uh the books and the literature and the um especially the documentary the way it was framed at least mm -hmm. uh there was this period of organization moving up bonnie dies and they have this disorganization mm -hmm. from there Hale Bop is what reorganizes. Yeah, them. this reorganizes it, and he now, and that's where you saw the laser focus. Yeah, you know they were just full of focus, all the members, everyone, yep. and they uh, rallied right up to each other. Yep. And this is where you had kind of the core. It was like forty members. Yeah, that eventually just started breaking away from the pack, and these were the hardcore ones. Correct. Um, and this is again in other cults where. There's movement, seems like a cool idea. Then it starts getting into the real heavy stuff. And you got basically like 80% of the cult that's just like, eh, I don't know about this. Yeah. And, and that's what happened with here. They rented this house. And when he was renting the house, he told the owner of the house that his group was made up of Christian-based angels. Mm -hmm. Don't you think? Yeah, he thought that would have threw a flag. I immediately, as soon as I saw that, I was like, well, there's your flag. Yeah, but look where yeah. he got the house. San Diego, California. Rancho Santa Fe. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, it. that's probably the most normal thing that real estate so person I, heard 
in the two weeks. <laughs> yeah. And plus they, you know, and that's the thing is, is they all lived in this house. They all earned some sort of a living. Yeah. Had a wage coming in. Yep. They brought they, in some sort of And money. they paid for everything. And here's the thing. They lived very minimal. They did. Massively minimal. They did. Though some of those who did join Heaven's Gate had obvious emotional problems. Most were disarmingly ordinary. Businessmen, mm -hmm. mothers, students, all consumed by nothing more exotic than a desire for spiritual enlightenment. Many of these people, this is a quote, weren't losers with low self-esteem, says Joan Culpepper, an original member of the cult who later became an outspoken foe. Apple White's message connected to some belief within them. It was, to be sure, a strange message that, you know, you could abandon your your body because it's just a container mm -hmm. and enter this heaven's gate through, oddly enough, uh, a UFO. But, I mean, hey, it worked for them. They exhorted their pros prospective flock members to give up sex alcohol, tobacco, and leave their families behind. Most cults want to sweet-talk sweet you, again, this is Culpepper, mm -hmm. to draw you in and make you feel loved. These guys weren't like that. Yeah. So they were like the opposite of the road to abstinence can lead to, or a road of excess can lead to extravagances. They mm -hmm. were the road of abstinence-led to a series of scruffy campgrounds, because that's how they started. Oh, they yeah. started their headquarters on the Rogue River in Oregon with 20 to 30 followers who brought only a few personal belongings. And these were meditation enthusiasts. Yeah, it's all Those, the new age stuff. Yep. So among them were people who had left their children, some of them just toddlers. Within a few weeks, the cult began to wander, uh, staying in such out-of-the-way places as Medicine Bow National Forest in Wyoming and Bonnie Reservoir in Colorado. When not camping in the countryside, they would settle for a time in towns where they earned money working as waitresses or store clerks. Some would seek support from local churches. And over time, the cult, which went by different names, such as the Human Individual Metamorphosis, and my favorite, Total Overcomers Anonymous Yeah, yeah. before they settled on Heaven's Gate. They did manage to save enough from wages and money brought in by new members to afford several expensive campers for their travels. And while they were constantly proselytizing, they generally did so discreetly, mainly to avoid the desperate relatives of recruits who often came looking for their vanished loved ones. Yeah. So they were doing everything way under the radar. Mm -hmm. At its peak in the 70s, the cult had several hundred members. And this is when Apple White was strict in enforcing uh, discipline. Members had to sign out to get their driver's license and car keys before yeah. they could leave the, the compound. For a while, Apple White and Nettles would impose something known as tomb time, during which members could not speak to each other for days on end. Occasionally, tuning forks would be tapped on cultists' heads in an effort to dispel human thoughts because those human thoughts will get you every time. Well, and this is where you start tapping into the gradual stuff because, like, any of these cults and any of these groups, I don't care who it is, like Scientology with Dianetics mm -hmm. and Nexium with their, um, their executive, success executive success program. program. 
And you have these guys who are a little more organic. They didn't have the whole no. manual and stuff yet. Uh, this is when they just started in about the next 10 years from where you're talking about yeah. kicking stuff on the internet. But like anything else, I mean, you go into these groups, if you're someone who's lonely or trying to find your meaning and your calling in life, mm-hmm. and you want to be a part of something that's larger than yourself, which is yes. an exploration that honestly 80% of most people go through. Correct. Yeah. You could hop in this group and, and all these groups start off in the beginning with think less, yeah. have less, mm-hmm. own less, mm-hmm. don't be attached to this, mm-hmm. don't be attached to that. Remove all of this noise yep. from your life. And all those kind of introductory phases are actually great. Yeah. They're actually great things. Yeah. And that's where, especially if you're someone that's so hungry that you'll drink out of any container. Mm-hmm. To get that type of feeling yeah. or get to that space. I could see how that nectar would be sweet. Oh, yeah. No, that's that's where people will gather. And then, like you said, where the journals and, like, taking the keys and the yep. can't speak to people. This is how you start peeling people off. But from a cult perspective, that's good because you're right. getting rid of the chaff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, an- want the, you want the hardcore folks. Another cult member for 15 years, starting in 1975, Dick Joslin said, it was like the military. There were all these procedures that drove some people crazy. So that's how they did. Weed, weed people out. Oh, yeah. Above all, members were assigned partners with whom they were supposed to do everything, eat, sleep, and work mm-hmm. during the day to ensure that no one got too friendly To say nothing of becoming romantically involved, the leaders rotated partners regularly. They set you up with the partner you'd least likely be attracted to, says Leslie Light, now 48 and a therapist in Fallbrook, California, who was in the cult briefly in 1975. And she said, they put me with this crazy street person. Applewhite eschewed some of the cruder methods of mind control. One time early on, he and Nettles had called a meeting which several members failed to attend rather than browbeat their recalcitrant underlings the two announced sadly that they were going to leave the group for a time to meditate on why they had failed in their leadership when they returned hours later members wept with shame and relief there was a bonding with them says jocelyn it was like a commander saying um it wasn't like a commander saying you'll do this or you'll do that so that's how they got people in. Oh, yeah. And to help suppress the sexual desire among recruits, Jocelyn insists that for the eight men in the cult, including Applewhite, they all submitted to surgical castration. The decision made perfect sense once they had firmly decided to become celibate. Why not end the battle with sex drive, he says. I'm real glad now that I didn't do it, but it's not as bizarre as people think it is. It is. At the end of the day, it is. It's one thing to say, okay, I'm going to be celibate because I want to be mindful. I want to look within myself, and I don't want that distraction. Mm -hmm. It's entirely different to be like, okay, take off my bits and pieces. Well, here's the thing with that. If you're a follower... That's the leap that a leader wants. Because, like, even in the Heaven's Gate documentary, mm-hmm. 
and other sources that I read, that was like the big separation of basically like the posers of Heaven's Gate and the real on full on Heaven's Gate folks was the castration. Mm -hmm. And I mean, honestly, think about it. That's, that's showing your loyalty to the cause if you're willing to do that, especially just speaking as a dude. Like I can't even like, I can't even fathom that. Yeah. (laughs) I can't fathom that action. And there was a lot of them that chirped up and were like, you know, that the ones that are alive. Right. They were like, yeah, no, they're, it was good till then. Some of them say, and, and that was kind of the moment for a lot of them where they were just like, I don't know. But then again, this is the whole thing of if you leave a group, what happens if you, you know, basically if you weren't getting castrated, you were out. Yeah. And this is something that you invested, you know, some of them at this point invested a decade of their life in. Right. Everyone they know is in this group. Yeah. They don't know anyone else. They don't know anybody. They've surrounded themselves So like leaving this, and this is the part where cults turn sad, in my opinion. Yes. Extremely sad. Is someone will just go through these motions now to stay in this group of people that they've surrounded themselves with. And And it just goes this is why i was glad we picked this one on the early end yeah because this is such an extreme thing to do to castrate yourself yes you wouldn't castrate yourself for anything no if you and i were to walk around and say hey would you castrate yourself for you could you could have a million dollars in a in a freaking suitcase mm-hmm. and walk up to guys and just random guys and say this million dollars yours if you go to this uh doctor right now and who's get right castrated. here and get castrated they'd be like keep the money yeah it's a I'm million good. bucks yeah. i'm good man i want to keep my bits and pieces yep and and that uh like i said that just shows the lengths that people will go to 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 keep that little bubble they've created for themselves intact and that's a scary, sad thing to me. Ultimately, that's where it just turns so freaking sad. Because there was testimony of m- members that are alive that were talking like, I didn't want to do that. Some of them didn't, and they left. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and they left and said, this is as far as I'm going to go. But there was other ones that just, yeah, you know what? No, I'm going to do it. Well, it should be noted that after uh, Bonnie passed, mm-hmm. Applewhite, he was flexible in some elements of his doctrine. Mm-hmm. Uh, he often reminded his flock that they were free to leave at any time that they wanted. In the case of 72-year-old Jacqueline Leonard of Des Moines, Iowa, who was among the dead at Rancho Santa Fe, the cult allowed her to bend the rules and stay in regular touch with her family. Yeah. Quote, they told her, Jackie, do what you have to do, says her daughter, Chris. And for those that did stay, Applewhite made it a point to provide numerous, if carefully chosen, opportunities for relaxation and entertainment. Most of the television shows, as you mentioned, and movies that they attended had mystical or science fiction themes. Star Trek, The X-Files, Cocoon, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Star Wars, Jocelyn concedes that though he enjoyed himself as a member, it was not always the most stimulating experience. Sometimes it got pretty boring, he says, especially when you were waiting 10 years for the spacecraft to come down. Yeah. And they still did it. Yeah. And so because, you know, he's waiting for this spacecraft that never came, that's why he elected seven years before they 
did what they did. He mm-hmm. elected to drop out of the group. He was treated with respect, not scorn, which is different from other cults. He was given a bus ticket home to Florida yeah. and a soothing word from Apple White, who said he understood. Like I said, literally the friendliest cult. Yep. Period. Yep. And and that's where you see the members that ditched out and left. None of them were overly shamed. None of them were. It's basically, it's like if you're with this group of people, this is how you got to be. Yes. But if you're not in here, like I said, when he was doing the recruitment stuff and all that, you'd just be like, well, this isn't for you. Yeah. And he'd leave out. I think there's some cult leaders. I don't want to say some. I think the like the cheap, dumb cults mm-hmm. don't believe in their kind of mission statement. Right. But I think these big cults that get up to this, these leaders believe in these mission statements. They live it, breathe it down to the core. And he was an example of this where just somehow he was going to fit everything to this belief structure. Well, he said in no this matter one, how much the goalpost moved, he was going to fit it in there. And then here's the thing. At this point, you've got people in there now for 10, almost 20 years. Yep. Waiting for this event. Well, but that's the group. And and you no matter what group you're in, you're going to develop these feelings. You're going to show them one way or another. I think that's where Scientology's cold. Mm-hmm. They're a real exact opposite of all this, but but I'm, like even I like mean, Nexium, Scientology is a cult. But to yeah. me, Scientology operates more like a business. Oh, totally, totally. That's, like there's yeah. there's no but there's no there's, there's no, no difference no, in that. No, it's true. You know, I mean that's where I say cult is a cult because yeah. there were some companies that I joined mm-hmm. early on in my career. That scared the hell out of me. Yeah. And I'll rattle one off right now. State Farm Insurance when I worked for mm-hmm. that. That was a cult. <laughs> it was. Yeah. It was terrible. Yeah. It was absolutely terrible. If you didn't do certain things, you didn't even get a raise. Yeah. So, like, if you weren't, like, a, a member of the vending machine club. Right. That would get together once a week or whatever. And, and basically, you know, you'd discuss... Uh, what should be in the vending machine? What should machine? be in the vending machine? Is there things that people have emailed? That should be rotated out? Yeah, that should be rotated out. If you And they had tons of these groups. Yeah. And I remember sitting down at a, a performance review, and my boss looks at me and goes, well, you know, sorry, we couldn't give you a raise this, you know, this quarter or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, what am I going to do to get a raise? I mean, I'm yeah. working my ass off. Yeah. That's what I do. And uh, I'm doing all my rolls to the letter and they, well, you know, you're not doing any extra curricular stuff. And I'm like, extra curriculum, you know, like what? What are you talking about? Yeah. And she goes, well, for example, and she brings up so-and-so, you know, and -and so-and-so she's in the vending machine club and she runs that club and, you know, it's helps the company out. And, uh, so then I do the math. I go over and talk to this woman. I go, did she get a raise? She goes, oh yeah. She got like this crazy raise. Yeah. And I do way more work than she did. Right. Well, she's got the vending machine club, she's doing the club, vending machine Frank. club. So, so what this girl did is she did like six, seven clubs. She was mm-hmm. never at her desk. Right. Never did any work. But the, oh, the directors and everybody just thought she was the greatest fucking thing in the world. Well, yeah. Also, if you didn't, um, if you didn't, I don't know State Farm still does this, by the way. Let me just right, throw yes. that out as a caveat. Preface but that. Yeah, yes. this was a long time ago. This was 
about around Remember the time where years you know, ago. <laughs> yeah you know when email was new you know that's <laughs> stupid shit but no and that'll just show you how long that job was if you were uh if you didn't use email correctly you lost the privilege mm-hmm. and you worked without email which you can't do today because, like, no, you can't. emails relying oh on everything. Oh, my God, I would love if I oh, never I had another email. Ah! Mm-hmm. But also, if you didn't do- donate to, like, these charities they had, oh, like yeah. the United Way yep. or anything yep. like that, which I was amazed because it's like, how do you know how much I'm donating? Like, that's yeah, that's my prerogative on how much I want to donate. Yeah, it's none so, your business. So now the question is, 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 is it... Just that I'm donating, period, or how much of my check did I have to donate to get a raise? Like, it's insane. But what it does. I would have said, you know, I would be happy to donate to these charities, but I need a raise in order to do that. But again, this is the reason why I wanted to bring up (laughs) cults, because like, believe it or not, you could be around a cultish environment. And not, not really think about it. it. Yeah. Or you'd be like, yeah, no, this place is a cult. But then like get into the weeds when it's someone like me right now saying this and you're sitting there and saying, yeah, that's like my job. That's cultish. Yeah. Yeah. Because- I will say there are in almost every company, there are like cultish type things. Like oh, there's some things. Like their mission statement. That's yeah. usually where you see it the most uh, but that's that's a common thing and honestly you need a mission statement you, you need a goal like where you you're do. going through but like but my company's mission statement grows every freaking that's year that's every company that's every and company does it started that. with like five bullet points yeah. which were i'm not gonna lie they were they were good they yeah. were good yeah and now it's like it's a poster it's like <laughs> 10 or 15 of them yeah and it's abstract art. <laughs> you've you've watered down the impact. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know no, what I mean? Yeah, and 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 that's but like a mission statement is one thing, but like I said, those yeah. examples of what I brought of that previous employer, I won't name them again. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to beat them into the ground. But but like what happened at that place was everybody became a company person. Everyone became a company right. person. Yeah. And it wasn't by choice. That was the problem. Yeah. Is you had everybody becoming a company person and they're pitching their own thing about yep. the vending machines or yep. they're pitching their own thing about the break room club and the yeah. like all this stuff. They're all trying and then they're trying to invent new clubs to show, hey, I'm valuable. Yeah. I created this club. And they wouldn't have done it at all if there wasn't a raise attached to it. Exactly. Yeah. So you have all of this fake stuff around you. They monetize. And it. that's happening today. Companies are doing, I'm not going to say what it is, but companies are doing this stuff now. And people are doing it because they don't want to look bad next to their coworkers. Yeah. They want to look ambitious around their boss. They want to look good. They want to look good in front of their customer. Mm-hmm. And it creates this cult. Yeah. And, and that's where it gets, like I said, to the castration point where, there's just a point where a company is going to push you and you're going to be like, nah, I don't want to do this. Yeah. And that's the, that's the thing is, is there's people that'll sit there and be like, no, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with this cult here of following this, this idea. And you've got this man, Marshall Applewhite, who in my opinion, drank his own Kool-Aid, bought yeah. all of it. He yeah. was in it a hundred percent. And the thing is, is if you're someone who, is looking for that validation of doing something larger than themselves. 
you get next to a person like that, if you're desperate enough, that's the most incredible person you're going to meet. Well, with regard to the castration, he had a lot of, um, how do I want to say this? He had a lot of sexual shame. Mm -hmm. He had an attraction that made him shameful. And so his way, instead of, you know, embracing who he is or talking to someone about it, he was like, I'm just going to, I'll just castrate myself. And then that takes this 100% out of the equation. And then, okay, now you've got, now you're this cult member, you're the cult leader, and everybody else has to follow suit. If he didn't have his sexual shame, Mm -hmm. I don't think there would have, I don't know that castration would have been as I think you also got to beg to differ that would there even be a heaven's gate because all of true. it is really down to because we were talking about this before the podcast we were talking about how sad this cult is oh, it is it's just so sad because some of them you can beat up like Nexium, you yeah. can beat up yeah. it's still sad um but you could beat up and be like what the fuck were you thinking yeah, you know seriously. the whole way yeah. through where this just to me was sad the whole way yeah. From beginning, yep. the people they were recruiting yep. were just people that had real problems yes. that they really needed yep. to just talk out. And the problem was is they didn't have anybody close to them that they could yep. talk out. Yep. So they went into this crazy conference room in a mm-hmm. basement of a freaking whatever and listened to what these people had to say and mm-hmm. said, you know, maybe this, uh, you know, I'll give this a try. You know, and then the whole community thing starts. It's a typical cult thing. Yeah. But I got to laugh because it's just these typical things that cults say. Heaven's Gate said it. Organized religions are killers of souls. They Mm -hmm. all say that. Yep. The traditional religion is untrustworthy. It's this is the final type warning. Mm -hmm. All those eminent doom type deals. And what do they do? They create an organized religion. They do. Like it's just amazing. Every single one of them will bash religion. Yep. Traditional religion. I'm yep. not saying just Christianity. I'm no, saying just, any of them. Just traditional Hinduism yep, yep. or being a, a Muslim or yeah. or you know the Jewish faith or even old pagan type. Yeah. You know beliefs and and they'll they'll bash all of this and then what do they do? They turn around and create a freaking new one. To the letter. on UFOs. And I find it. Just to the letter. I just find it strange and and odd that of all the places they bopped around, like they didn't choose the UFO sites. Like they didn't hang out anywhere near Roswell. They did. I mean, they did end up in San Diego and we did have the Coronado. Yeah. Which, by the way, that place was $7,000 a month Yeah, to, to rent. And they yeah. paid the rent all the time. Yep. $7,000 a month. Now, granted, I just love doing the math. <laughs> but if you had, say, 30 members at that, you know, you got to cough up 233 bucks a month. Right. Which isn't a big deal. Like I said, you know, that was the, the thing. These were smart people. They were gifted people. And again, makes it sad that these gifted people just had no other outlet but this to open themselves up, right. so to speak. Okay, so I found 
In early 1997, a rumor uh, circulated among the New Age community that an artificial object or spacecraft was following the recently discovered comet Hale-Bopp, and that's what they uh, latched on to. Gotcha, gotcha. So basically, I found it. So basically, what ended up happening, and you know, we're we're getting around through this. They um, in in uh, late March of 1997, as Hale-Bopp passed near the Earth, it was its closest distance to the Earth. Correct. That's when Applewhite and 38 of his followers drank a lethal mixture of phenobarbital and vodka, and then lay down to die. Uh, hoping to leave their bodily containers, enter the alien spacecraft, and pass through Heaven's Gate into a higher existence. And just before the mass suicide, the group's website was updated with the message, Hail Bop brings closure to Heaven's Gate. Yes. Our 22 years of classroom here on planet Earth is finally coming to conclusion, graduation from the human, uh, human evolutionary level. We are happily prepared to leave this world and go with T's crew. Yes. And like I said, you think of it, 22 years. And these 39 people were the ones that just kind of stuck through this whole thing out of a thousand. And that's where you got to start doing the math on this. You know, you future cult leaders that want to get a cult started. All of these cults really are like the heavy like the heavy number is like 50 or less of your like diehards. It seems like every call I read about, there was just these 40, you know, 30 to 50 members that were just the diehards. They were the ones that were running the whole thing and getting everything going. Now the scary part of this whole thing to me is after all this was said and done, the remaining members, like I said, somebody's still maintaining this website. website. Yeah. Uh, I, I think some say that there's only like two members left, that there might be just two people that are taking care of it, taking care of it. And honestly, I mean, by the looks of it, they're not taking care of much, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, they're probably just paying the hosting fees and that's if they're doing hosting fees or even if they're doing their own thing, they're just patching the server, you know, yeah, any of that. I mean, it's a, it's a very basic, um, like I said, it was. It was a pleasure to go through the uh, the website from a uh, time travel st- standpoint, right? Because it just uh, it reminded me of just an era of the internet that you just don't see anymore. So I'm going to give you a list of those that passed. I'm not going to go into their description. Mm-hmm. Um, there was Marshall Herf Herf Applewhite, 65. He was a music teacher turned cult leader. Cheryl Butcher, 42, a computer trainer. David Van Sinderen, 48, an environmentalist. Alan Bowers, 45, an oyster man. Margaret Bull, 54, she was a farm girl. Alfonso Foster, 44, a bus driver. David Moore, 40, computer ace. Julie La Montaigne, 45, nurse. Darwin Lee Johnson, 42, musician. Robert Arancio, 45, artist. Gary Jordan St. Louis, 43, computer programmer. LaDonna Brugato, 40, computer consultant. Joel Peter McCormick, 28, Trekkie. Gail Mater, 27, a boutique old, uh, owner. Thomas Nicholas, or Nichols, 58, 
Dreamer. John Craig, 62, Developer. Margaret Richter, or Richter, 46, Computer Whiz. Susan Elizabeth Nora Pop, 53, Editor for a Computer Company. Michael Barr Sando, 25, Ex-Paratrooper. Norma Jean Nelson, 59, Artist. Suzanne Cook, 54, Drifter. Jacqueline Leonard, 72, Medical Assistant. Susan Strom, 44, Outdoors Woman. Judith Rowland, 50, Homemaker. Yvonne McCurdy Hill, 38, U.S. Postal Service Employee. Denise J. Thurman, 44, Seeker. Lindley Ayerhart, Peace, 41, Car Salesman. Jeffrey Howard Lewis, 41, Monsieur. Erica Ernst, 40, Cult Accountant. Lucy Ava Pecho, 63, Computer Trainer. Joyce Scala, 58, Local TV Personality. It's a wide, wide group of people. And again, that's where I see like the lure of all that. And I highly recommend the people article because they not only give the, they give you a little. um, Yeah, a a little little, extra. A little insight into who these people really were. Yeah. But like I said, it it definitely shows being included in a group and the Mm -hmm. value of that. Yeah. I remember one of the best classes I ever took was group dynamics. Mm Mm-hmm taught me miles and miles of common sense and how just groups behave. Mm-hmm. I think it really depends on the teacher and the person who taught that group was exceptionally great at it. He had all these physical examples he would do and just show you right there in a the class. Right. Like, not only do I think you act like this, I know you act like this and I'm going to prove it in class with all these examples. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what these cults cults show. Yeah. I think what we have right now is a lot of companies that are, big, have a lot of power, and they're cults. Yeah. Because you're either in, drinking the full Kool-Aid of or what the brand's out. about, yep. or you're out. We're going to get that later in a podcast of towards the end as we build up this case. And the aim of this is to build up this case of cults to just show how much they all have in common, yet all of them are so different. Yeah. There was a reason we picked the ones for the 12 this year. They're all different on the face of things. Right. But then, like, once you go under the hood and you go under the covers, it's the same stuff. It's the same recruitment. It's the same method of isolating people Mm -hmm. and getting them away from their their surroundings, creating a community of like-minded type things. These are all type of tag words that are used for this stuff. So, with that being said, do you have anything more to add with Heaven's Gate? No. Do you want to bring last, up your browsers? Yeah, I have it up. But one last thing. The sneakers they wore, the Nikes, yeah. are called Nike Decades. And they actually became, at one point in time, uh, a massive collector's item. Because they were the only ones that wore them because they were cheap. Yep. They were easy to get and they could buy them in bulk. Like nobody yep. wanted them. And there was a pair that sold at auction online, because I guess they're hard to get now. Mm-hmm. They sold for $35,000. Absolutely insane. For the ugliest sneaker that's because, ever been made. Because, of, because this. of this. Yeah. Yeah. Insane. So as I was researching stuff for the podcast in the past, uh, I'm just a brief primer, very brief. I've been a cybersecurity analyst for eight to 10 years. I've been in IT for 20 years. And I've been really annoyed with search engines, especially Google. Mm -hmm. 
uh, the last few years, three to four years, uh, and on through, and I just still continue to use Google browser and, uh, even just using Google as a search engine, you really just, it, it, it just felt like I was getting hammered on just certain things. Mm-hmm. So what I started was this exploration of using different browsers mm-hmm. to see how it would work. Right. And it's actually amazing. It's amazing the difference. So the two browsers that I've been using is DuckDuckGo, which is pretty popular among people, and uh, the Brave browser, which mm-hmm. is relatively new. Uh, however, it's been basically, well, I say relatively new, around like 2016 is when it came out. So it's been around yeah. a while. Uh, I started using it uh, heavily in the last, I want to say, eight months, six months. And I just the browser itself, all the ad tracking and all that stuff, uh, it's amazing how fast web pages load up mm-hmm. without all of the ad tracking. Right. What uh, the Brave browser will do is it'll show you the traffic or how much uh, ads have been blocked. Mm-hmm. So just the little bit of searching I did while on this podcast mm-hmm. and before 571 trackers and ads blocked and basically an estimated time save because the pages are loading yep. up faster. 30 seconds. The 30 seconds doesn't seem like a big thing, but the 571 trackers should it's scare the living thing. crap yeah. out of you. Yeah. Because that's how much crap they're tracking to get your information. Right. And if you sit there and say, well, I don't have any information to give. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You have all your likes, all your things. And what they do is they create these profiles. Mm-hmm. I'm going to nail right at Google for this because Google's the number one offender. Mm-hmm. Google is the one that wants to change humanity. Yeah. Whether you want to hear it or not, Google wants to change, change humanity. And the problem is, is Google's everywhere and they're useful. Yeah. We use them for the company. For domain um, yep. names, and we use them for our office setup because it's just, it's a good product. Mm-hmm. But the price has been tough lately. Yeah. And and it's not just the, the monetary cost. But with the Brave browser, and then I started using start page search results. And I definitely recommend that for a search engine. Give it a try and see what it's like. Because I've noticed now when Jen and I started the podcast, we were using the same links we were using the same sources for pretty much every episode then i started using the brave browser with start page search search engine and i'm finding all of this stuff that wouldn't even make the first three pages of google Mm -hmm. finding just stuff that's buried in and it's great information right yeah that's the thing it's not shitty information Mm -hmm. it's really really good stuff stuff that i've been happy and proud to bring to the podcast that I thought was valuable. And then I started using it just in the regular routine of my life. And it's amazing because I would search for something. I'd have them both up, especially on like a laptop or something. I'd have them both up Mm -hmm. and I'd search one thing I was looking for on the brave browser using start page, uh, search engine. And then I would do the same thing on uh, Google search engine, regardless of the browser, whether it was edge for Microsoft or, Safari for Mac or just Google's own. It's weird the results that come up. Mm-hmm. And that might be a topic of another time, but if you if you really want to uh look into it, there's other people that really have done massive amounts of work on this if you're the nerdy IT type. 
you should know about this already. I shouldn't be bringing new information to you. But for the casual user, you would be surprised. It's not what they're after at this point of grabbing information from you. They've pretty much got that figured out. What they're trying to do is get you to think about what you're seeing. And they're trying to manipulate you that way. And the number one place I see it, and then I'm going to wrap it up at this point, is when you're typing in your search uh, terms Mm -hmm. and you're doing that in your search engine. With Google, text will come down Mm -hmm. and it'll say, are you trying to look for this? Are you trying to look for that? They're using purposeful keywords for that based on the keyword you're using, Mm -hmm. which means they're trying to direct you to information that Google wants you to see. It's not about popular analytics and tracking of all that. And it's not getting you to the most popular thing. It's getting you to the thing that Google wants you to see. Yeah. That's a bad position to put yourself in. If you're someone who wants to use your mind for yourself, where using start page search, search engine, and especially in tandem with the brave browser, you can get that predictive key text if you want or not. You can elect out of it. And, and it will just show you what you search for. Yeah. It's a traditional search engine, how right. it all started. And uh, that's my top pick right now right. for a while. If you're a researcher, especially if you're in school and you want to get really good information and you're competing with classmates yeah. and, and your classmates are using a Google search engine, yeah. They're all going to have the same thing for their papers. Yep. And if you really want to get an edge on your classmates and, and get yourself a leg up on, and have a better paper, I really recommend the Brave browser using the Start Page search engine. And you'll be surprised the different stuff you'll get. And it'll give you a different thing. Because for the last six months, four to six months, I've had different results than Jenna's had. Yeah. And I've never left the front page. Mm-hmm. I've maybe gone to page two tops yeah. looking for stuff. So I definitely recommend it. And with that being said, what is next week's episode? Barney and Betty Hill. Yes. We're continuing the UFO push <laughs> to Barney and Betty Hill. Yeah. I'm excited about that. Stuff. Yeah. I, I like the uh, I like the UFO stuff, especially now because we're watching the second season of Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah. And uh, we have decided that we're going to interrupt our regularly scheduled. Our regularly scheduled stuff. And we're going to try to put that in somewhere soon because we just want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, it's not even that we, we need to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, but we just want to talk about yeah. it. And instead of talking about it around the house, we'd like to make an episode out of it. And yeah. I guess uh, eternalize it forever. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but uh, again, thank you for listening. Uh, we really appreciate your 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 continued uh, return to the podcast yes. and continued return to us. We've kept our, our metrics up and our, our, our stats. Uh, we're still proudly in the top 10% of podcasts uh, in the planet. And we are still jockeying around that top 80 list of horror podcasts to listen to through uh i think it's feed spot uh we're very happy about that and we couldn't be there at all on those lists without you correct you are the awesome people that we would just be sitting here talking to ourselves yeah and we're getting uh some new listeners in bangladesh we saw welcome welcome aboard welcome aboard hope you stay 
Yeah. And if you don't, we understand. (laughs) (laughs) We We get get it. it. (laughs) Yeah. No, we love our following. Uh, We wouldn't have it any other way. We love our, uh, our horror fanatics. I'm trying to give our horror fanatics a little something, something in the Facebook group. Yeah. Facebook group has got more active. Uh, I'm trying guys. Unfortunately, I slowed down in, um, yeah. Instagram. Which I'm going to work on that and get better. Uh, there was a couple episodes I posted right before the new one, the, the past yeah. one. So, you know, nobody's perfect, but we've, Never, man. we've got things going on in our lives, too. This isn't the only thing we do, uh, but we like to place a large enough importance on it because we love you dearly. And we're thankful uh, so much for just your uh, continued support with the, uh, the podcast. It keeps us very motivated to do it. Yes. So with that being said... Rule number one. No Ouija boards. Two. No dolls. Three. No games. Four. No blood rituals. Five. No cults. Satanic or otherwise. No UFOs. No getting skinny for God. This list is getting bigger and bigger. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And? No apathy. Yeah. You need to act to help enact a positive change in this world. You you can do it. And the final rule. And number seven, don't let the black-eyed children in. No. Don't, don't do it. Don't do and it. And don't give them the ketchup. Don't, don't. If they have an apple and they want ketchup on their apple, don't Or if do they it. have ketchup and they ask you for an apple. For an apple, yeah. No. Vice versa. Versa no. vice, yes. <laughs> Thank you so much, folks. You have a wonderful day, a lovely week. And make good choices. Take care. <laughs>